It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hey, Rose friends. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with someone who is adding so much beauty to our world today. Gracie Polson is here from Grace Rose Farm. And even on social media, the beauty of Grace Rose Farm and what they're doing, well, it just comes shining through. So I'm so excited to get to talk with Gracie today. And let's get started. Hey, Gracie, welcome to Rose Chat. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. So, so glad to have you here. From the amazing farm to the beautiful roses you sell, we have a lot to talk about. But I want to start with you. Have you always been interested in gardening? So I have. Um, I am very much an introvert. And even as a little girl, um, I remember just especially at my grandmother's house my grandmother lived in southern california and she was grace so my my business is named after my grandmother oh. not named after me lots of people think my farm is named after me but it's actually <laughs> named after my grandma grace and then i'm the third grace so my grandma oh. was grace irene my mother was grace ruth went by ruthie and then i'm gracie linda um so but it's really named after my grandma grace and my most Early memories were her big 1980s hybrid teas um, that we all remember, like the bright, shocking colors of the of the 80s when uh, the hybrid teas were really uh, this just big, big, uh, very different than the roses that we're all growing now for the most part. And I would be um, in her little garden and I just loved the roses. I always did. I loved clipping them. I loved pretending they were mine. My grandma put a little stake out that said GL's garden um, oh. in her rose garden. And I loved all things roses, though. I loved doilies and I loved bone china cups and saucers. And I was always, even as a young girl, very much loved the romance and timelessness and nostalgia of garden roses, whether it was in the garden or like in my my decor, you know, in my, my in my bedroom, I always had floral everything and rose specifically. So, and that was that was as far back as being a toddler, really, like the age of my daughter now. She's three. What a beautiful legacy from the word grace and all of that, and then the roses. Oh, what a beautiful story! So, no wonder you fell in love with roses, and no wonder you're such a natural at what you're doing today. Well, Grace, let's Grace, let's move on to um, talking about your first rose garden. Mm-hmm. So my first, so I lived um, in New York City and New Jersey for many years. I'm from California, but I lived on the East Coast for many years, and I really didn't get into roses there. Um, that was in my 20s. And then my husband and I met and we met in New York, New York and we moved back to California. We were both from California and we moved back to mm-hmm. California in 2012. And um, we bought our first home shortly after. And I had had some roses in pots at various rental properties and townhouses and, you know, balconies that I had, but they really never thrived so much. I'll just say, cause they were in pots <laughs> and I probably didn't know what I was doing, but um, we bought our first home 
And the, uh, the backyard was about a half acre. And I had just this dream to make it all a rose garden and nothing else. So we tore everything out of the backyard except this a pool that was in the back corner, a swimming pool, and then a big um, olive tree that was in the middle, a very huge established olive tree. And everything got thrown out and redone. And we planted 600 roses in our little backyard. And, um, I had like three of this and three of that and three of this, like everything. I always had like multiples of everything. I, I, I don't know. For some reason I wanted multiples, but I had three to four of each variety. And, um, and then we soon moved to our front yard, which was like another, I don't know, quarter acre. So we had pretty much this whole property just covered in roses and, um, we loved it. I was working a full-time career at that point, traveling. My husband worked full-time in the music industry. But we really found this like commonality, and he was not a gardener before. Um, we found this commonality just working on this backyard ourselves. We would sometimes pick up some help on the weekends to you know dig holes and run trenches, and but for the most part, we did you know ninety percent of everything ourselves, and um, we just loved it. Like we just found this sort of thing as a couple that really brought us like a lot of joy and peace and separation from our jobs that were both stressful. So um, we just, we loved rose gardening as a couple, very much so. Well, you said 600, you started with 600. First of all, I'm thinking, where in the world did she find 600 roses? And well, you are in California. So that, that's sense. one thing. Auto, and, auto. Oh, of course, of course. Every rose, every rose I bought came from Auto and Sons. And to this day, still, pretty much every rose I've ever purchased has come from them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, when you jump in, you jump in. I did. I did. Well, the backyard was, a, it was, a, you know, a little bit of a disaster. We had, you know, it needed, it needed to be redone. There was nothing back there. The The family was not into landscaping at all that we bought it from. So yeah, I did. Jumped right in. Well, now you went from um, loving your rose garden and something that you and your husband did together to a business. This is, happens pretty quickly, but tell us how it did happen. So just for fun, back when um, Instagram was getting really going, it was 2015, I just started an Instagram called Grace Rose Farm. I, we had no <laughs> intention. Of farm. We, we like both had our careers. Uh, and it was just a garden, like it was a rose garden, it had pathways and, you know, it had uh, some companions in it. It was no, by no means was it a farm. And um, I just decided to call it Grace Rose Farm for, I don't know why, I just thought it was a cute name. And um, then pretty soon after that, I would say that was in the spring, within a few weeks to a month, florists somehow started finding us in the Los Angeles, Santa Barbara Orange County, California area, and started asking if we would sell our roses to them. And I was like, oh, absolutely not. Like, this is not a business. This is just my husband and I just do this for fun. This is just a fun little thing that we do. And I don't know how to cut roses. Like, I, at that point, like, I just grew them for fun and would bring some in the house. But um, we let some florists come over and we let them just pick roses from our backyard and mm. take them with that, take them along their way. And, um, and pretty quickly after that, I was like, well, maybe there's something to this because I'm getting a lot of florists asking for these roses. And I was growing like a lot of David Austin's, a lot of Florbundas, 
um, you know, big, uh, beautiful hybrid teas that were all in those pretty much like the lighter colors. I tend to mm-hmm. gravitate toward the pastels with like a little punch of pinks and salmons. Mm-hmm. But so I was very much growing roses that were in that wedding category for colors, which I didn't know that, but I do know that now, of course. And so um, we started letting the florists buy the roses, like buy the bucket. And then we just kept getting more and more requests. So within a couple months, we were actually shipping the garden roses all over the country to florists that same season. Now, as a former florist, I know how fragile cut flowers are. So when you say shipping all over the country, I'm like, you know, um, so how did you do that? It was a lot of trial and error, of course. Um, I mean, now we ship millions upon millions of roses across the country, but we have, you know, much better packaging and time tested, you know, years of doing it. But um we just cut them as tight as we could where the sepals were down and the petals had started to soften up. The bud had softened up, but hadn't fully opened or unfurled. Cause obviously if it opened or unfurled, then the petals would be, all be in the box, you know, shattered. And we tightly wrap them in newsprint and craft paper. And we put, uh, you know, uh, hydration on the stems, little baggies with uh, hydration. Actually in the beginning, we were water picking every stem, which was absolutely ridiculous. Like I I look back at that. I'm like, what a waste of time and money, right? (laughs) To water pick every rose. But um, yeah, we just figured it out. And it, it was, it was, it was messy in the beginning. It was really messy. It was not, um, it was not something that it was going to be sustainable unless we figured out how to do it mm-hmm. the right way. So you obviously moved to a bigger location. Am we I did. Right? We did. So that year, so we had just bought that property. So we were in no like rush to sell it. Once this like Grace Rose farm thing kind of started to take shape. Um, we were like, well, we kind of need property because we don't, we only have six or 700 <laughs> roses, but we weren't going to sell our house. We had just bought it that year. So we went out and we leased two acres of farmland that was about 10 minutes away. And we planted um, that following winter, we planted, I think between five and 6,000 roses from Otto and Sons again. Wow. wow. <laughs> tell our, tell our listeners where you're located. Um, we're in Southern California in Ventura County. Um, and Ventura County is a big agricultural area, although um, we're the only rose growers, but we have Auto and Sons, which is, I think they're the largest uh, wholesale and retail rose nursery in the United States. Um, and we have lots of citrus, avocado. We're um, in zone, it saddles 10A, 10B. Um, so very long growing season. We're coastal. So we're about as the crow flies, we're about five miles inland from the Pacific Ocean. So really mild, Mediterranean, never really gets over 85 degrees in the summer, doesn't get below 40 in the early morning hours of the winter. So really, really nice, consistent growing conditions for garden roses, for sure. Well, that makes me wonder. Uh, I'm getting ready to end our growing season here. We're expecting mm-hmm. frost any day. Yes. Um, do you grow 12 months there? We do. No. So we prune. Um, so so where what what we're doing now in our business is so we went from that two acre property to a 10 acre property and then a 20 acre property, um, and we live on a 20 acre property now. But we no mm-hmm. longer are growing 
garden roses for, you know, our business or anything on our property. Our property is um, undergoing some transformations at this time. We'll talk about those later, but um, we prune here uh, right after New Year's and then they're back um, early April. So we have about a, a 90, we could go longer, but they really start to look pretty scraggly, you know, when, when it starts to rain and get yucky out. So um, we have we have about nine months of roses. Mm, nice, nice. So let's talk, since we're talking about the roses, let's talk about some pests and things that you might deal with there. You know, we have a bevy of, of pests here. And my daughter lived in Redondo Beach for uh-huh. years. And I know that there the roses had rust. So do you deal with that sort of thing there? Yeah, we don't deal with a lot of pests. So we don't have Japanese beetles. We don't have a lot of the things that I see that Southern gardeners Mm -hmm. and East Coast gardeners have. Thank goodness, I guess. I don't think I could have been a cut rose grower if we had those things. Uh, I've seen how decimated roses can get from, especially from Japanese beetles. But um, we deal with thrips like everybody does. Um, That's our main pest, I would say, is thrips. And we have to spray, uh, especially in the spring, pretty preventatively for those. But disease, for sure, because we're near the beach, and obviously Redondo Beach is right on the beach, um, we deal with powdery mildew and rust, Um, especially you probably have heard of um, in Southern California, we have like May Gray, June Gloom, um, where it's beautiful everywhere else in the country, and it's like sunny, (laughs) and the, you know, everything's great. But here, we definitely get, um, we get that like, uh, marine layer that comes in and all of the coastal communities, including where I live are really, really socked in with this wet, uh, 55 to 65 degree weather for like 60 days straight and hardly any sun. Sometimes the sun will come out like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but it never really, it's warm enough to dry up the plants. So the plants end up going to bed wet and you just have this sort of vicious cycle of rust and mildew. Um, and then like blooms not opening, opening all the way and really getting, you know, too much moisture down into them. So that's kind of like the icky part of our season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So you do, you do have some pests and things, you know, you think yeah. you see the roses from California and think, I think we could plant a broom handle in California and it would grow roses. The biggest yeah. roses I've ever seen are in California. Yes. Yes. And about the roses, when I look at your website, I see mm-hmm. names that I'm not real familiar with. And mm-hmm. is that just indicative to things that Otto and Sons are growing? Or, do, or did you have access to things that, you know, the typical grower isn't able to purchase? Yes. So we, for all the way through 2019, we grew exclusively for florists and we grew outdoor garden varieties like the Mayons, um, the Weeks roses, David Austin roses, like uh, garden roses that any rose gardener in the country, if they could obtain the plants, right? Like if their local mm-hmm. nursery had them or they could get the mail order, we grew those roses and we grew them specifically for wedding florists. We served around 5,000 florists at that point. Um, and then COVID came and there were no weddings in 2020, as we all know. And we were very worried about our business and what are we going to do? Because we were already a seasonal business. Um, we operated on about about seven months of income every year and five months of no income. So then when we when COVID came, we were like, oh, no, <laughs> there are not going to be any weddings. Um, and so we very quickly pivoted to a retail model in 2020, in spring of 2020, Um, It coincided with a big spread that came out in Martha Stewart Living that was shot the year prior. So this this big spread came out. 
um, in in uh, Martha Stewart Living in April of 2020, and we immediately um, gained thousands upon thousands of customers for Mother's Day in 2020. And at that point, we were still growing our outdoor garden roses. Um, Coco Loco, Distant Drums, Francis Mayon, Princess Charlene de Monaco, um, you name it, we grew it. Um, and, um, our, our, and people love them, but they're a different product than what retail consumers are used to getting in the mail from a flower company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, flower companies generally ship long lasting cut flowers that if a customer is going to spend a hundred dollars or $200 or whatever they're going to spend on cut flowers, they are going to expect vase life. And, um, outdoor cut garden roses just don't offer vase life as rose gardeners. We know that, right. Um, especially when you put them in a box and ship them overnight, right. <laughs> They're mm vase life is even shorter. So when we, when our florist business was in the height, um, florists don't need vase life. We ship those roses on a Thursday or a Wednesday. The wedding is Friday or Saturday, and they're in peak condition for that wedding on Friday night or Saturday night. And then they, they go in the trash as sad as it sounds. That's what mm-hmm. happens. Um, mm-hmm. and so we never had to be worried about vase life with those roses. Um, if, if the florist got three days out of them, that was a win for us, right? Especially after shipping from California to New York or goodness, you know, all over the country, every state. So, um, when we had this retail business and we started accumulating tens of thousands of customers, the biggest feedback was, well, these are beautiful, but they just don't last. (laughs) And that was a problem. And especially because our wedding business was nowhere in sight for coming back because this was like the height of COVID 2020, 2021, you know, weddings were just either being postponed or majorly downsized, you know, where mm-hmm. a florist once were, was purchasing several thousand dollars worth of roses. And now they're doing these little intimate gatherings and maybe only purchasing a couple hundred dollars worth of roses. So we saw this tremendous loss in our um, wedding business. And so um, we said, well, the retail consumers love our love roses. They're, they're loving these unique shaped garden varietals that really at that time, uh, you know, the other online, you know, 1-800-Flowers, um, you name it, all the, you know, bouquet companies, they're not shipping these unique roses. They're shipping standard roses, right? Like standard floristry, red rose that don't open, like our beautiful outdoor roses open. And mm-hmm. so um, we knew we were onto something, but we didn't have the right product because m- my outdoor roses simply lasted only like three days in the box. And that would create a lot of confusion and complaints from customers. So we sought out um, switching to growing uh, greenhouse grown garden roses. So like the cut garden roses that you see on my website. And Ryan and I spent about a year um, looking for opportunities in California to erect a greenhouse or uh, take over a greenhouse, get material in from from Holland and France to start a cut rose production in California. Little did we know that um, that just was not going to be financially feasible for us. Um, it's millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to start mm-hmm. that kind of operation, especially in California. So, um, and we were at that point, like I said, we were very much a small family farm. We existed on only six to seven months of revenue every year. So we were, you know, we were 
definitely not well financed <laughs> to go out and <laughs> buy a major flower farm and then, you know, convert all of our product to these longer lasting, you know, eight, 10, 12 day long garden bridles. So then we started seeking out partners. Um, and that's when we landed on our current partner that does our cut rows growing for us in Bogota. Um, we work exclusively right now with Alexander Farms, and they are David Austin's premier largest grower of um, David Austin's wedding roses. So like Juliet, Kira, all those beautiful, the long lasting David Austin's as we like to call them. Um, and they're wonderful partners. We are um, in Bogota frequently and we're very much a part of um, the process with them, but they do the growing for us of um, the cut roses and um, they do it to our, we have very like aligned standards um, on labor and, um, you know, pesticide use and everything. So it was really a very perfect fit for us to find a partner to be able to do the growing for us. Wonderful. Uh, you had talked about changes that happened as a part of COVID and mm -hmm. shutdown and that sort of thing. Are you mm -hmm. seeing that lift now? Um, are things getting back to, to some of their former excitement and um, the way things were? Uh, with florists, with our uh -huh. florists. Yeah. Um, I think some, but we're, so now we're not growing those roses anymore that um, florists bought from us. We've mm. stopped growing those roses. So we don't really have that product for them anymore. I know there are a few other rose farms in the country that do grow that product, that grow Coco Loco and some of those outdoor mm -hmm. roses. But we typically refer those florists to the other rose farms that are growing mm -hmm. um, the outdoor garden roses for them. Mm -hmm. Um, what trends have you seen change uh, since you've been doing this as far as color and style? Is it still the same? Has it hold true or are you seeing some some different trends on the kinds of roses and the colors that people are requesting? I think that um, so when we first started, there was that whole big wave for the oddballs. So the muddy colors, the mobs, muddy, the Coco Loco, all those mm -hmm. muddy, like honey Dijon, um, that's never gone away. And I don't think it will, especially, um, with, uh, weddings, but with our retail consumers, which is now where the focus of our business is, um, they, they love color. So when people buy a bouquet or, and about 65% of our orders are gifts that are sent, um, mm -hmm. to somebody else. So people want to send cheerful, bright, happy colors. So we sell like a lot of every color. Um, whereas for our wedding business, um, we very much sold cream, white, blush, the muddy neutrals. Um, we hardly ever sold salmon and red and the deep burgundies. Um, in fact, I had to call thousands. I love growing a, a variety of roses myself. Um, mm -hmm. And I had to call thousands upon thousands of roses because I, I couldn't sell them to florists. Um, I ended up having to get rid of like my deep reds and my burgundies and the punchy, uh, bright colors because I, I, I just couldn't sell, I couldn't sell the cut stems, unfortunately. Um, but now that we have this retail business, we see, um, people love every color. And I think, um, in the garden as well, um, in the garden as well, I think people are gravitate to like the cheerful colors more than the muddy neutrals at this point too. 
Mm-hmm. And that's pre- been pretty consistent for many, many years for for uh, wedding flowers. Yes, um, that more neutral definitely mm-hmm. has been been a trend for for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've you've started something new, or at least it's new to me. I'm just now noticing that you are selling uh, rose bushes. Yes, yes. So. Um, the, the long, the biggest request we ever got from the time we started our business, uh, eight, almost nine years ago now was, do you sell rose bushes? And I said, no, 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 no. We don't sell rose bushes. We sell cut flowers. Like that's our specialty. We're cut flower growers. Um, I, at that time I just, there was no way I was going to take on also, you know, curating bushes and, and whatnot. But, um, I saw an opportunity. So as a cut rose grower, um, I started to realize that maybe gardeners would like some varieties that last a little bit longer in the vase um, and are unique and are, are new. And um, I think when when people asked me um, about whether they could buy rose bushes from me, I was a very hard no because I really didn't want to offer varieties that they could find elsewhere because there's a lot of places online that you can buy roses. Um, and I really wanted to come out with like our own without becoming a rose breeder because that was not in, that was not in the cards for me to become a rose <laughs> breeder um, or hire breeders or anything. Um, I wanted to have my own collection of roses. And so in 2020, um, right like it started in the start of COVID actually, I imported a bunch of genetic material from Europe, uh, rose genetics. And um, I began, uh, well, the first time I imported genetic material, it got banned by the USDA and they found (laughs) some sort of, some sort of pest on, on the foliage and that was down the toilet. And I cried for about three months about it. It was, you know, a big waste of time and money. And then I emailed um, Tantau in Germany and I said, um, I really need, I really need help getting, you know, the budwood, the material into the States. I'm, I'm really, you know, convinced that I want to start a rose collection in the States because there's all these roses that I see these gardeners want, but nobody can get them. They just don't exist here. And so, um, Tantau actually put me in touch with their agent, um, that represents them in the States. And we started our rose bush business. Um, so in 2020, we, began um, importing thousands of varieties of roses. And when I say thousands, it's thousands. Um, oh. From uh, Tantau, Janspec Rosen, Interplant, um, NERP, Delbard, Shures. We're now onboarding um, De Reuter. And we have a couple of other breeders that we're working on um, bringing in as well. But um, we essentially... Um, uh, drew up the the contracts and the rights to have exclusivity with these breeders in Europe to bring in their cut rose material. So a lot of these breeders have both garden varietals and cuttles. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in the cut rose varietals, which grow very, very well outdoors. Um, they're just like bred for floristry per se. So um, we started importing all of these genetics and propagating plants and doing trials and watching them. And last year, um, actually it was January of this year. So almost three years later, we sold our first plants. It took about three years to get them into commerce. Wow. Wow. We have have 38 varieties right now that are for sale and 
180 coming next year. 180 oh new goodness. Oh my goodness. You don't do anything by halves, girl. Now, are these going to be bare rooted or are they going to be potted when you send them out? So um, that's a good question. So I, um, I started a Facebook group earlier this year. We have about almost 14,000 members now for rose gardening. And I listen very carefully to what the rose gardeners want. And this last year was a little bit of a lot of people complaining about the quality of bare roots that they were getting from various vendors online, um, which I think always just comes back to like the, the grower, like what's going on in the growing fields. Um, and a lot of the gardeners that follow us are new gardeners and bare roots can be a little bit uh, intimidating to them. I think they're worried about like the dormancy. Are they going to wake up? What do they do with it? So we have decided um, we have two crops. So we have an own root potted crop that, um, that we grow ourselves. And then we have a, a grafted crop as well, but all of our product gets shipped potted and fully leafed out. So once our, our grafted crop is harvested this time, it's about November when it's harvested, it goes to Otto and Sons, Otto and Sons pots up the material, grows it out for several months, and then it gets shipped to customers. Um, just because I don't know. I think my customer base, they love, they, they've been asking and they want, they want potted product. So we're going potted. It's although it's, it's, it's a bigger lift than going bare root for sure. Well, it's more instant gratification. And if you're new and you're just starting a garden and your excitement level is high and, you know, I can definitely understand that, you know, it is really, um, you know, at this stage, you know, of growing so many years, bare root doesn't intimidate me, but I can see why it would. Nothing so ugly ever has become so beautiful. Right. Well, well, maybe the worm that becomes the monarch, you know, the little. Um, this is true. This <laughs> but is true. I mean, you get something, it is, you know, to a new grower, very uh, scary looking something, a root. So yeah. I think that's a really great idea. And, you know, there's just something to be said for opening up a box and it is ready to go. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. it, 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 uh, for my business, you know, we've planted at one time we had about 50,000 roses in the ground and, and I, I can wholeheartedly say I never planted a bare root rose because Otto and sons did all my ordering for me to the major wholesale growers. They would receive the material in, in, you know, December, they'd pot it up for me and then they would deliver it to my farms you know, March or April, all leafed out, ready to go. And for me as a large scale grower, I couldn't wrap ever wrap my head around bare root because there's a ticking time bomb on those, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you got to get them in the ground. You've got to cold store them and they get slimy if you cold store them too long. <laughs> and so for us, even though the expense was like about triple uh, versus me just buying bare roots, like from the wholesale growers for my own business uh, back when I was growing, I wanted the peace of mind of those potted roses. So I feel like from an authenticity point uh, for my own business now, um, for me to sell potted roses, I'm selling the consumer exactly what I always received. So Auto and Sons is getting the material in from us. They're potting it up and then we're delivering it. And it's the exact same product for the last eight years that People who have followed our journey have seen me receive and me plant at my own properties. So to me, there's there's more of a genuine 
aspect there that I'm selling something that I have used and believed in for my own business, if that makes sense. Well, it does. And you're completely on trend with um, people want cut flowers. People Mm -hmm. want to pick and bring in or share with others. The cottage garden movement is strong. Uh, People have definitely moved back to roses. You may be, young people are very interested in roses again. And I think you may be one of the reasons why. And I applaud you for that. Um, you've made them approachable and beautiful and represented so well. So I'm so appreciative, but those trends are strong. You know, the cottage gardening, the cut and bring it in. Uh, We went through that movement from garden to table with vegetables and that sort of thing. And I think that's still strong too, but people also want to bring those flowers in or share them with a friend. That is just a great element. And you're giving them something that they can do that with, without much waiting at all. Yes. And, and the product that we're offering, uh, we are offering some um, classic garden roses. So on our Rosebush website, we have a mix of like our exclusive roses and then classic garden roses because people still, you know, want those classic roses. But our focus is on long lasting cut garden roses. So um, everything that we're releasing in the United States is a, you know, eight, 10, 12, 14 day kind of vase life plant. In fact, a lot of our Facebook group members, they're, they're posting photos of their plants that they uh, receive from us in the spring. And sometimes the blooms are on the plants 20, 25 days. Like, mm. Don't go oh, any girl in the summer, oh. in the summer too. <laughs> oh girl, you're talking my talk. So I saw that you did a video about a rose that I can't get out of my head. Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's very And that's pretty. exclusive to you as well. Yes. So that is a Dutch rose from Jan Speck Rosen and it's part of the Jane Austen like literary collection. I think there are about mm-hmm. 30 to 35 varieties in this collection and Notting Hill is one of them. I will we will send you one. Um and it's beautiful. It's your classic deep cupped garden rose. Um, it has like an ombre of apricot to peach Mm. outer petals. It's really pretty. The only thing it lacks, um, which a lot of these longer lasting roses, um, you know, cause you're a, you're a rose person is fragrance. So the Mm -hmm. longer lasting varieties, they don't have the intense fragrance as the, you know, the shorter lasting roses do. Well, we'll forgive them for that. We'll forgive them. You know, we do have roses that give us fragrance and we have roses that um, provide beauty in our life without fragrance. And we love those too. So we do want fragrant roses when we can get them, but there's lots of reasons to grow a beautiful rose. I love a mix myself. Mm -hmm. If you have a bouquet that have some really fragrant roses in it, and then you have some that aren't as fragrant, but they last longer. You can pick out the ones as they die, you know, and then you still have roses left that are still blooming. You know, I personally, I love a mix. So Mm -hmm. I do too. I grow rugosas and a lot of reason I love them but yeah. they are here they bloom um off and on all summer if you deadhead yeah. them and one day I was I had a bouquet ready um to give to a friend but I was still looking and my husband says what are you looking for and I go I need mm-hmm. one ragosa because oh, ragosa is going to add the fragrance that many of these beauties don't have so, so that mix can really be your friend so I get it yeah I agree <laughs> 
So how do we purchase these roses? Do you have a, a different website than just gracerosefarm.com? Is there a different website or is it from that website? It's from that website. Um, there's like a little tab on the top of the website that just says like shop for, for garden roses for your garden. Um, right now we have two separate websites operating. Eventually, um, early next year, we'll have one website that will house everything, but it's a little tricky because the cut roses are, you know, they get shipped immediately and the plants are a different story with shipping. And so, um, yeah, but you can get to it from our, um, our uh, current website and we will start shipping our fall roses to zones seven, eight, nine, and 10 end of October. Um, and then uh, most of our customers uh, that purchase roses for the fall, we actually sent an email out to several thousand customers and they've all requested like a winter hold from us. So mm -hmm. we have reserved greenhouse space over the winter and we're just going to keep uh, their roses and then they'll ship after their last frost date which I'm, I'm a little worried about, to be honest, because I'm like, these are going to be some really big plants. So I don't know where I might have to figure out some sort of situation with the boxes. Or I'm a little worried about the size of these things because they're going to grow throughout the winter in these greenhouses. Um, but we are shipping to like the deep south, California, Arizona um, this month and all through, you know, November, December, January. And then the colder zones, they'll get theirs um, after the last frost date. So we can order now, those of us, I'm in okay. 5B, uh, so we can order now for a ship date after, you know, like in uh, end of April, early May. Yep. Yeah. We'll just ship by everyone's uh, last frost date for the, the colder zone. Oh, you're in 5B. I'm in 5B. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. For some reason, I thought you were much, much like more Southern or, yeah. No, no. Right in the middle of the country. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, my, before I let you go, I want to know of all of the roses that you've been with and all the roses that you've grown, what are some of your favorites? Oh my goodness. Oh boy. Um, I love them all. That's such a hard question, right? It, I mean, we all love is. them all. Um, I have, so at a t during a time of my life, I had a pretty extensive, extensive, um, antique and rare rose garden. Um, and I, I loved, um, I love, oh, goodness, I don't want to play any favorites here. My mind's just going right now. Um, goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, I love a beautiful climbing rose. Um, I love like the Eden roses. I love, um, any, any rose that, how do I put this the nicest way? I love roses with like a very natural habit mm -hmm. that just can do what they do, right? And be mm -hmm. let to grow, grow really freely. I don't so much love such a manicured look mm -hmm. to my roses. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I use the word flouncy. I love the roses yes. that can just flounce over yes. a fence or yes. do their yes. thing without, you know, a lot of yes. constraints. So right. I love that too. I totally yes. get that. I have, um, I have about a couple dozen St. Swithin, um, over my three rail fence next to my house and they are just, they've been in the ground. What about two? They were, they were two year old plants when I got them and they've been in the ground about two, two and a half years. And they're just 
stretching and reaching and just we can wind them through the fence. I love just a, a beautiful, natural looking plant. Um, when you get down to like variety, oh my goodness. I mean, I love I love the rose Pope John Paul. I think it has such a beautiful fragrance and it's such a beautiful pure white. Obviously, it's a hybrid tea. It's a much different structured plant, but I lean toward um, climbing roses, ramblers, plants that can just billow and grow however they want. And for me, bloom is less um, like the bloom shape or bloom color is less important than like the beauty of the plant itself. Of course, I love the flowers, but just I love seeing like the roses just do what they're going to do. I do too. I love that. I love ramblers for that reason. Some are small, some are huge. and take yeah. over your house, but they do it beautifully and yeah. and um, <laughs> and make no apology. And the fragrance, I think um, even to those with small gardens, I always yeah. encourage them to at least have one, you know, okay. just one that will flounce and, and, and give you that spring um, mm-hmm. million of blooms that, you know, they're known for. So, yeah, I, I love that whole flouncy, let the rose do their thing. I've spent some, uh, I get to spend extra time in England. My daughter lives there and oh. their roses grow that way. And yes. it's just so beautiful to see. I mean, yeah. roses love England and England loves roses and, and they do get to be more natural in their settings there, I think. And I love that. Absolutely. I love, we just put in the front of our house, um, we put, um, some climbing roses, um, um, Madam Alfred. And I just can't wait for them to start. They're such, it's, I know it's such a vigorous rose, but we have a brick house, like a brick Georgian colonial. And I can't wait just to see what it does, like where the canes wind up and how we can like maneuver them around the windows. Like, I just love that, like wild, very, mm-hmm. especially my house is so structured. Like our home is a, you know, perfect center hall colonial. It's very symmetrical. So I'm really looking forward to like, just seeing where these climbing roses go. We put six, three on each side and just like adding that whimsy and that, you know, just feeling of that like flouncy gracefulness to the front of our house. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that. If people can add um, a climbing rose, a rambler, or a big shrub rose that just billows over, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. I'm with you on that for sure. Now, you say that a lot of your um, customers are new time uh, growers. So Mm -hmm. when these roses arrive, will there be like tips on how to care for them? Or do you have, you know, specific, like a top three tips for growing the roses that you'll send? Yeah, we send, um, and we're also we're also building out a pretty robust um, like how to section on our website. Okay. So that will um, that'll be there by the time the roses are shipping as well. But um, we we use our Facebook group for a lot of that. Um, it's very active. I think at this point it's the most active like rose Facebook group online. Um, and the the ladies and the gentlemen, the few gentlemen there are in it, um, they're so helpful. And every person, whether they're like a new a new rose grower or a very seasoned one, like people are so communal and share um, their advice, their tips, and um, and I, I'm in there too, sharing you know what I can share for the different zones and you know what I know. I try not to I try not to make any uh, claims on areas that I don't grow though. <laughs> like I never speak about Japanese beetles or rose rosette disease because we simply don't have those here. But um, 
we do. We send out um, we send out uh, blogs and um, tips, and then with the uh, rose bushes, we encourage people to like join the Facebook group because if you ask a question, it gets answered like almost immediately there. So um, I think that's like a really helpful part. And then I have a I have a, another project that I've been working on for four years is I have a book that is printing right now that comes out uh, March 26th. And that's all about how to grow roses. So, Oh, how exciting. How exciting. It was a very long project. It was, it's actually the longest project, but uh, actually longer than bringing the new roses from Europe. The book took longer. Um, yeah, the book is, I didn't know going into the book, a gardening book, that um, because we're covering how to grow roses, so roses are you know four seasons. Um, it's not like a cookbook where you can rent a prop kitchen for a week and you can you know bang out twenty five recipes you know photography wise. Um, the, a, a gardening book requires shooting many, 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 many times with photographers. So it took a long time, but um, it's really beautiful. It's already on Amazon as like a pre-order. And then um, it comes out in, in, um, in March and I'm going to be doing a whole North American tour. Um, we'll be at garden center, like um, independent garden centers all over the country next spring, um, doing book signings, meeting gardeners, bringing our rose bushes, so it's going to be fun. I'm going to get to meet so many people that um, I've only met virtually. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, so yeah. good. So, so good. Now, did you say the name of your book? Um, it's Garden Roses, uh, Grace Rose Farms, Garden Roses. And it's the complete guide to growing and arranging spectacular blooms. And we, we can see it and pre-order on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon. Yep. It has a big... You can't miss the cover. The cover is very vibrant. Um, we we went through four covers to finally get to that cover. <laughs> four different shoots, but I just wasn't happy um, until the last one. And so it's you can't miss it. It's a beautiful flat lay of all different types of garden roses. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Gracie, it's been such a pleasure to have you here today. I so appreciate the beauty and the energy and the high quality you put into your work. Thank you so much. And we'll have to send you some bushes. We'll we'll get um, all the details for that. I know you want Notting Hill, so. Oh, my goodness. It is a beauty. It is very pretty. So thank you so, so, so much. And friends, thank you for joining us today. I know you heard about many beautiful things, and I hope you took notes and you're going to be going to Amazon and looking for the book. And I'm sure that you can find all things Grace Rose Farm on their website, graceroserosefarm.com. Well, until next time, friends, happy gardening. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.